to um, my preaching here the last several weeks has been uh, pretty heavy and um, they were singing that song and I wanted them to put a phrase in there that if you walk in broken you're going to walk out healed and all that other stuff and I wanted to put a little phrase in there um, if you walk in here empty you're going to walk out with your wagon loaded at least that's my hopes and um, so I want you to uh, look with me to verse 16 chapter 45 uh, here is what the Bible has to say I'm going to read a lengthy segment uh, but the Bible says and the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye lay your beast, and go get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take your wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all of the land of Egypt is yours." And the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten donkeys laden with the good things of Egypt and ten female donkeys laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. And so he sent his brethren away and they departed and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. And I want to want to preach here tonight um, about the wagons that are on the way. And um, again, we're 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 living in in dark hours and dark days. Days. But that does not diminish the provision of the Lord to his church and to his children. Let's pray and ask the Lord to touch his word. Lord, I am thankful, Jesus, for your word. I know, Lord, that you have...
Lord, ordained every single one of us to be here tonight. I pray, God, that somehow, Lord, that there would be an encouraging word, Lord, that would come, God, to our ears. Lord, but most of all, help it to be settled into our hearts so that your will and purpose, Jesus, would be worked out. I ask you, Lord, tonight, again, Lord, as I have so many times before, God, let this word find good ground. And Lord, let it bring forth, God, a hundredfold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And uh, once again, it's good to have Asher's teacher here with us tonight. And uh, she needs a special award. Uh, She will really need one when the girls move up. Uh, to her class and uh, good to have Dave Madden here with us tonight glad he's here and uh, the wagons are on the way Jacob I would say is probably in the mindset perhaps that a lot of us can get into in our own lives and that is that if you have a tendency to look to the past that there are times where that those uh, voices of, of the past, that they can get in uh, not only to your mind, but they literally can get in to your spirit. And if you hear enough bad news, then sometimes that bad news can uh, drop into your heart and to your spirit in such a way that you think that that's the only thing that really is about life. Now we put on masks and we perform and, and uh, we do certain things to fulfill various responsibilities, but sometimes the voices that can come to us, particularly early uh, in our lives, can, can thwart and can hinder the direction of our lives. You, you say, well, what does that look like in the life of, of Jacob? Well, It would be like this. His mother would tell him, uh, and if you know the story at all about Jacob and Esau, then what I'm going to say to you here tonight, perhaps a little bit of my imagination, but uh, obviously I believe solidly in the confines of what the Scriptures have to offer us from that story. His, His mother would say, Uh, Jake, uh, your dad loves Esau more than he loves you. His his mother would tell him, Jacob, there's coming a day that that Esau is going to kill you. And then he moves forward and uh, his mother tells him again, and she's in on all of this. Uh, Your father and your brother are in a plot to leave you out of the inheritance and then his life fast forwards you know that he runs out and he ends up there in a place where that he's at with his uncle and then his uncle starts talking to him and and uh, he tells him he says okay you've got Lee and you've got Rachel and now you're gonna have to work uh, another seven years to get this Rachel and uh, I want to drag out that sermon again that I preached a few months ago about in the morning uh, it was Leah I had to confess I had a good time preaching that sermon most of us get to that place at some point there 
uh, in your in our lives, and that was Jacob, man. Uh, his uncle would tell him, I tell you what, you are Jake, you're a conniving cheat. And, uh, and there is dishonesty that is woven through uh, your character. His wife would tell him, now this is where it starts getting tight. His wife would come along and say, Jake, you hate me. Uh, you don't have any time for me. You're, you're too busy. You're, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And then his men would tell him, uh, Jacob, uh, Esau is waiting down by the river. And when you get there to that river, he is going to kill you. And then his sons would tell him later on in his life, Dad, we found this bloody coat. Uh, that, that boy of yours that you doted on, Joseph, we found this coat. And obviously he's been destroyed by some beast out into the wilderness. And so you can understand how that, that Jacob would constantly fall in to the category of being able to assume and uh, become pessimistic. I tell people sometimes that, that one, one of my spiritual gifts is being pessimistic. And I don't think I'm by myself in that. <laughs> I think that sometimes if you're not careful, we can all fall into that particular trap. And, uh, and so it was there with Jacob. Jacob began to assume the worst. But, but can you see with just these examples that I have, have brought out here tonight about how that, that Jacob could fall into that uh, particular place and, and all of those voices and all of those situations that came to Jacob's life it caused him to be very predisposed to doubt uh, about how in the world can I believe that God really has a purpose for uh, my life then you add in the components of a dysfunctional family it was hugely dysfunctional now you say well my family is dysfunctional wait till you hear this four mothers that's pretty dysfunctional a tent full of boys that's pretty dysfunctional in itself Bickering wives and concubines that are constantly at, at war there. The motivations of jealousy and, and conflict that is there in that home. And then in the darkness there is a murder that is planned out by uh, some of his brothers. And obviously the scripture tells us without the intervention of, of the eldest, Reuben, that that perhaps could have actually began uh, to take place. All sorts of immorality that would have been expected in the street, but not in the home. That's where Jacob found himself in that place. And I have to tell you that if I would have been in that, I perhaps would have been in a place where that I would have been full of doubt and unable to really believe that God is in the midst of all of these things that He is going to help me to be able literally to do uh, His will. I'm going to tell you what, doubt in small doses, it works. But when you have it in huge doses, it can so overdose itself that it literally destroys your faith. 
But listen to me here tonight, church, that Paul comes along in the New Testament and he tells us, he's saying, you have to remind yourself of some things. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you know this verse. But in verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm going to tell you what do those things look like. It's it's prayer meetings, whether they are, are public prayer times or whether they are private prayer times. It's times when you fill up your car or you fill up your house with praise and worship music that begins to flow through that. It's what we're doing here tonight that we walk into the house of God. What are you doing? You're taking strongholds and you're tearing them down and you're doing them by spiritual means and and he says it like this casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I'm going to tell you your mind in this time is a battlefield and, and if you don't believe that you just let thoughts flit through your mind and through your spirit to the point where that your imagination can literally get the best of you and yet Paul warns us and tells us that one of the strongholds that the enemy has is for him to get locked in to our minds. And so it is here tonight that, that I have a feeling that there are some that, that you constantly have to fight against those voices of doubt that would try to get in to your own heart and into your spirit. Those voices can come from a thousand different directions. It's a parent maybe that, that did not love you. It was a guardian that was supposed to protect you, but they did not do that. It, it could have been somebody that took advantage of you, whatever that venue may have been. It could have been a relative that destroyed your confidence in anybody that would try to help you. That is what doubt does. It can be an ex-husband. It can be an ex-wife that would try to come in and really plunder your mind and your spirit. And sometimes those voices, they start ringing into our minds and in our spirits. They're unprompted and they're unsolicited and what happens is is they just begin to hammer at us and that's where Jacob was at. He heard that stuff and he listened to that stuff and then he began to entertain that and it got to the place where that, that if you listen to those voices, you're worthless I wish you would have never been born. What a loser that you are. You're never going to do anything with your life. You're just like your mama. You're just like your dad. You're going to lose everything. You've never finished anything that you have started. Those voices can begin to get into your heart and into your spirit. But I've got a remedy for every one of those voices that sometimes rolls around inside of your head. And I just tell you here tonight that not only should you just hear these verses that I'm fixing to give to you, but you ought to write them down. And then you ought to get them in 
a place where that you literally pray these scriptures out. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 The Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Micah chapter 3 and verse 8, But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And then in Luke chapter 11 and verse 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Our days, there are spirits that would try, they, they are rampant in our generation and in, in, in our day. I believe that they literally are foul, unclean, oppressive spirits. But this is the word of the Lord that tells us here tonight that we've got power to be able to tread over serpents and tread over scorpions. And it's just a matter of saying, let me get locked in to a place where that I can pray. Let me find myself a place, some day, not just a few meals, but some days that I'm willing to give myself to fasting and what in the world can happen to you if you walk into this house and you get up off and get up off of your your chair and you get your hands in the air and you begin to call on the name of the Lord and worship the Lord I'm going to tell you there is power that takes place in that it's hard for a spirit to hang around a saint of God that's going to worship And yet there's times in our life where that you don't need me preaching to you, but you need yourself preaching to you. That's the value of the Word of God. There's times where that, that we literally have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Why is that? It's because doubt would try to get in to our spirits. What, what is doubt? It's truth that's half-dressed. It's truth that is half-hearted. It's truth that is half-filled. Doubt is simply truth that's been twisted and deformed and is walking backwards. And I'm going to tell you where doubt comes from. It always comes from the same place. And that's in John chapter 8. Here Here's what the Word of God says in verse 44. Jesus looked at those nitpicking Pharisees. He said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, then you don't believe me I want to encourage a congregation here tonight that when the liar comes in your direction that what you ought to be is so proficient with the word of God that you're able to take that thing out and to begin to use it to your advantage and say you know what when those spirits oppose me I know that the word of God is sharper and more powerful than any two edged sword and if I can just get the word in there somewhere Somewhere, then all that doubt can be shredded and torn apart. 
But the prevailing thing that can overcome the doubt is what the Lord said in John 14 and verse 6. Here's, here's what he says. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that was a long introduction. And uh, these young ladies on the front row, I asked them tonight, I said, y'all help me preach. And, uh, and one of them said, I'm going to let them remain anonymous, looked up at me and said, said, Brother Harrelson, don't watch the clock. I thought, oh, my Lord, I'm making headway here with y'all. Except for another one, I'm going to let them remain anonymous too, said, well, we got to get out before Taco Bell closes. I think Taco Bell, the drive-through, closes at midnight. So, so long introduction, but let's look at, at what the Bible says. Look at, look at Genesis 45 and in verse 21. Here's what the Bible says. And the children of Israel, they did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. If the wagons had not been sent, then Jacob and all of his family could have never crossed the wilderness and been there into that place, that country there that, that was called Egypt. Joseph knew exactly what needed to be packed up to be sent down there to uh, his father, to his dad. I want to tell you here tonight that there are some things that, that you ought to take consideration and that is this is that you ought to highly treasure and carefully weigh out all of those gifts that sometimes comes from another country there are gifts that you find scattered throughout the word of God how many times have the wagons from another country rolled in to a place of worship whenever you were bowed down when the pressure in the moment and there were things that were weighing on your heart and on your spirit and somebody got up and started praying and somebody got up and started singing and somebody got up and started preaching what began to happen there were gifts that began wagons that began to come from another country how many times have the wagons from another country restored our souls and restored our faith and restored our confidence and restored things inside of our hearts and our spirits. It came whenever moments that we were not expecting them. But here's the challenge. It's because Jacob had fallen into that place for so long there that, that the Bible kind of indicates to us that, that even if Jacob didn't buy into the words of the messengers and that is part of the story there that whenever he saw the wagons, then all of a sudden he started to believe that, hey, Joseph might be alive. The first sign of Joseph was a bloody coat. 
when the second sign that comes along is are, are wagons that are filled to capacity. The first sign rattled Jacob, but the Bible tells us that the second sign restored him. How the enemy would love for you to stop short there at the first sign, the first sign of trouble. It can paralyze you, but the second sign of blessing, it can come along and it can begin to redeem you. The first sign of doubt, it can cripple you, but the second sign of blessing can be an anointing that comes into your life. The first sign of disaster sometimes can literally suffocate us, but if you'll hang in there long enough, the second sign of blessing can exalt you. The first sign of difficulty can ruin you, but the second sign of provision can breathe life back into your heart and into your spirit. You can't stop, church, at the first sign. The first sign is, hey, Dad, Joseph is still alive, and Jacob doesn't believe him, but whenever the wagon started rolling in there, the wagons, I'm going to just tell you this, that the wagons, not only are they just loaded, but they're on the way. They're heading in our direction. And sometimes persistent faith, it won't be defeated by what we can see because the Bible tells us that you, you shouldn't walk by sight. Don't, don't walk by what you can see. Don't, don't walk by backslidden children and what all they're into. Don't, don't walk by what you see, that, that, that old husband that you're trying to train. You, you ladies, stay at it. Just stay on him. You tell him to straighten up. I, I was watching that message Wednesday. Brother Mooney preached 2009 district conference up at Wisconsin. And uh, he said that uh, he, he and Sister, Ma- uh, Sister Mooney had a, quite a, a unique marriage. And, and that several times that I heard Brother Mooney preach, he'd always... Uh, kind of pick at her a little bit. He'd say, now, Sister Mooney, I want you to warm up your cough over there in case I get to about 40, 45 minutes. I want you to cough. And then he'd tell her to test her cough. Of course, everybody thought that was kind of kind of funny. But in that message, he uh, he said that uh, he, he walked in there to Sister Mooney and he said, I tell you what, I've wasted the last 20 years of my life. I hadn't accomplished anything for the last 20 years. And I tell you what, there's sometimes I I don't feel like preaching and I don't feel like praying and I don't feel like doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, he said that he was waiting on a little bit of sympathy from her. And uh, he said he paused a minute and he said that she looked over at him and she said, why don't you just shut up? And I, I look, I, now I don't know if he is kidding or not. I'm going to take him. Uh, but, but men, sometimes you, your wife needs to just tell you. Now, I asked my wife. She said, you had never told me to. And she hasn't. My, Teresa's never told me to shut up. Uh, but but there are times where she's kind of just held my feet to the fire and said, "Come on, we we gotta, you gotta do what you're supposed to do." So I'm preaching to you wives here tonight that there's times where that 
that uh, you you just have to just say, I, I, I know what I'm seeing right now, but by faith there's something else that's going to take place and the Lord is going to work this out. So if you got backslidden children and, and you got a husband that maybe is backslidden or has never been filled with the Spirit before or you've got situations that are outside that are going on that you seem like that you don't have any control over. I'm going to tell you something. Persistent faith will not be defeated because you walk by faith and not by sight. If you walk by what you can see, you're going to be confused. But if you walk by faith and you say, you know what? There's a purpose that God has in my life. There's a purpose that God has in our family. There's a purpose that God has in this church. I'm going to tell you that's the matter a persistent faith. But the reason that Jacob doubted the message was because he doubted the messengers. That happens sometimes with pastors. Pastors get to preaching and you start realizing folks are doubting what I'm saying. And then when the wagon starts showing up, it's like, oh my Lord. Now, now you can begin to see that those things that God has in mind for us, there, there are accounts of those that you find in the miracles. What, what does that look like? You remember that guy? He said, Lord, he said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Joseph did not give his brothers what they deserved. That's the way it is with God, is that we get far more than what we deserve. The Lord just keeps blessing. He keeps calling us. He keeps allowing repentance. He says, come on, let's move in the right direction. And I'm going to tell you something, that when we get to heaven, every single one of us will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you blessed me with so much more than what I deserved, and now you have saved me. Now you have rewarded me. I'm going to tell a church here tonight that ought to stir something up in your heart and stir something up in your spirit. I'm talking about gratitude. I'm talking about gratefulness. I'm talking about praise that says I've got to praise God for what he's done in my heart and in my spirit. And so not only are the wagons on the way, but the wagons are loaded. Look at Genesis 45 and 23. The Bible says there, and to his father... He sent after this manner ten donkeys laden with the good things of Egypt and ten female donkeys laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. Now can you imagine what's going on in the mind of, of Jacob? He's now, he's now an elder. His country had been starving, been in a place of famine, been in a place where... There's not much water. There's not much good things to eat here in this place. I got another sermon I need to drag out and preach it again. It talks about in, in the book of Genesis, it talks about that they got to the place where that, that they, were, they were having to eat the sweet meats. They were, that means all the, the dates and the fruits and all that sort of stuff. No corn, no flour, none of the things that we really look like. How many of y'all here tonight? would like to spend the rest of your life eating raisins and sardines. That'd be awful. 
Brother Patterson told me the other day, he said he, uh, he went and got him some sardines. And, uh, well, he takes Josie everywhere. He loads that little old dog up in the car, but he went somewhere, and I guess they were having a deal on, on sardines. And uh, he opened that deal up and put it down on the floor, and I'm telling you, little old Josie got on that thing and just gulped it, so gulped it down. And uh, y'all seen dogs do that before. They eat it before they even think. And so Brother Pastor thought, man, this is a good deal. I, I got several of these. He said the second can that he opened up, he said, Josie's a little more cautious, sniffed at it a little bit, and kind of like, I'm not interested anymore in sardines. And uh, Can you imagine living in a... <laughs> I shouldn't have told that. I've lost this sermon now. <laughs> but but that, that's the deal. It's like... You're going you're gonna to live on raisins and sardines. That's where Jacob and his crowd were there, that, that zero growth of their crops. It hadn't rained in ages, and the land is, is stifling in the heat, and the churches can fall into that place. Hadn't baptized anybody in a long time, and, and hadn't seen anybody pray through to the Holy Ghost. And, and, uh, and, and I, I'm, I mean that, that new converts are coming in and, and that there's life that is in that church there. And, and you start thinking, man, I know God's brought us to this point and yet the hottest place that I've ever been and the driest place. And it's like the only thing that's here is heat and silence. Sometimes churches can fall into that place. Sometimes individuals can fall into that place. It's like in the morning when you go to your job and you look up and you're like, not again. Not again. Same set of folks, same set of pressures, same set of things, and yet, it was at this time where that, that Egypt was at the height of, its, it, of, of civilization. Construction was there. And, and man, they were building like gangbusters. And, and uh, Pharaoh had gotten great notoriety there from the land. His kingdom had been wildly successful. Some of that was because of Joseph, who was an Israelite that was there involved in that. But India... Had, had sent on ships barges that had frankincense and cinnamon and, and diamonds and ivory treasures that was there. Syria had sent its luxuries of purple and silk to them. Greece had corralled some of the finest horses and had sent them there to Egypt. You read about those things in history that those things have come in there into the nation of Israel. And so whenever Joseph or into Egypt rather and so whenever Joseph determined he said I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do I know my old daddy down there hadn't seen me since those guys kidnapped me years decades had passed
pass by. He said, but I'll tell you what I'm working up for him. I'm determined. I'm going to send some wagons back to my old daddy. And he didn't spare any detail whatsoever. He loaded those wagons up. There was corn. There was bread. There was meat. There was arrangements of clothing that was on those wagons. And I'm going to tell a church here tonight, I do believe that we are at the end. But at the same time, I don't believe that God's provision, I don't believe the way that He's able to provide, I don't believe any of that is cut short. And there's something about it that says there's some wagons that are coming in our direction and they're loaded up. Don't look around at the famine. Don't lose faith in what the messengers bring to your life. What they're telling you is true. There's health. There's strength. There's vision. There are things that God wants to do in every single one of our lives, even in the middle of prevailing darkness of our days. And so it was that the Bible tells us that wagon after wagon rolled out of those palace grounds there in Egypt. And they were on their way because what was God doing? He was making provision. He was making provision. And then there's something else that I want to point out to you. Look at verse uh, 27. The Bible says there, And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I'll go and see him before I die. And I'm just going to tell you this. The wagons are on the way. The wagons are filled up to capacity. And then here's the last thing. is those wagons. Those wagons are going to take you to the palace. And sometimes more than anything, that's what we need when we get to the house of God. Because here, here's the thing. He fainted when he heard the words that Joseph was alive. The Scripture tells us that, that, that he heard the words of Joseph and he fainted. But when he saw those wagons that had been carried in to bring him to that place, I'm just going to tell you now that the Bible says his spirit was revived. That's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen in our hearts and in our spirits. The wagons are on the way. Wagons are loaded. The wagons are going to take us to where God wants us to go. Now here's the deal, me and Brother Biggs, or Brother Biggs and I, or the English teachers. Is it round about the same time we kind of intersected at TVC in Houston? And uh, I, he was a little bit ahead of me, uh, but I would, 
probably be safe to say that he probably has looked at his graduating class somewhat as I've looked at mine and realized that now that, that after 30 plus years, after all is said and done, that sometimes those dreams that you have as a young man, vision, virtue, y'all tell Jonathan and Amanda this, every one of you that's connected to them. And I've told Jonathan this as, for, as, as well. That there's times that God stirs things in your heart and in your spirit, but as you begin to walk things out through life, sometimes the miles start stacking up and there begins to be a weariness that settles in and you think, man, it's never going to happen. It's never going to come to pass. And I can just vouch for the guys that I was in school with that there are a host of them that they have now fallen away I'm pleading tonight, not only with Brother Biggs and myself, but every one of you here today, that if your spirit has somehow gotten into the place where that, that you're discouraged and you're weary, that listen to me, that the Lord wants to revive your spirit and breathe life and breathe anointing and breathe power back into you. There's still a purpose. There's still a plan. There's still something that God has in mind for every single one of us. And I'm just going to refuse, first of all, to let my flesh choke down what God wants to do. Secondly, I'm not going to let the world choke it down. And then the last thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to let unclean demonic spirits choke those things down. I didn't know Asher was going to be baptized whenever I started kind of mulling over this sermon here a few weeks ago. But uh, just on the other side of this wall here, and this place was, if you can imagine, some of y'all would come over here, and uh, none of the walls, sheetrock, none of that uh, was here. And uh, right on the other side of that baptistry back there is is the bathroom that's in the apartment. And uh, there was one day, uh, man, I was just frustrated. And uh, Brother Ramsher had had been in here and had pointed, picked out some things and kind of, uh, it's like, this is not right. We've got to get this matter sorted out and taken care of. And I mentioned to you, I don't know if it was this morning or some, maybe Wednesday night, that Brother Ramsher would walk through uh, this building, and he said that uh, this building would talk to him. I guess guys that are involved in construction, that those those buildings, they'll talk to you, and you can hear uh, them saying things. And so, anyways, I I uh, that morning, middle of the morning, I got over here and, and uh, got back there, and I happened to come in here, and back there was our our guy, and. Uh, I just started saying, look, uh, Brother Ramsher has noticed that this is not right, and this is in a place, and the guy, I was, I mean, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty aggravated, to be honest with you, and, uh, and just like this, this right here, you need to get this taken care of, and uh, I think once they figured out, which I don't know anything about building, but Brother Ramsher certainly knew what he was talking about, anybody that can build a 26-story uh, uh, a 
apartment complex in Houston right where the old Astrodome used to be, then this place is about like a chicken coop compared uh, to some of the things that he built. And so... So anyways, I, I got back there, and I'm going to tell you, I was just like, you, you've got to get this taken care of and get this thing fixed. And, and at the time, when it was all going on, I made some reference perhaps that this morning, whenever I was, was preaching what I preached to you here this morning about crashing through. But, but isn't it something how that you just keep on pounding away and you just keep on hitting at it and you just keep on going at it that now, five years later, that we walk in on a Sunday night and we get up there and they bring down little Asher or grandson and Justin gets him down in the water and baptizes him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you here tonight, church, you may be discouraged. You may be weary. But it's like that song that they were singing here tonight. If you walk in broken, you can walk out taken care of. If you come in here even sick, I still believe in divine healing. If you walk in here and you're weighted down with discouragement, I believe you can walk out of this place with somehow a vision and a purpose that's inside of your heart. Why is that? It's because there's some wagons, some wagons that are on the way. Got a book in my library. Musicians, if y'all want to come. Got a book in my library by Herbert Lockyer. And uh, if you find this book, man, I just encourage you to get it. It's all the promises of the Bible. And it's literally loaded with promises. The book's probably, I don't know, 300 pages. And what it does is it just marches through, starts in Genesis and goes all the way through the book of Revelation. And what it does is it pulls out those promises. It's literally loaded with, with promises of what God can do if we will trust in Him. If, if we'll trust Him. Hannah, Taylor, Lauren, y'all are the chief culprits. Praying, dear God, send them some some stout, strong men. Not sissies. Not, not effeminate, weak little old guys. I'm praying that for you, Sister Kayla. I mean it. I know y'all think it's, but I'm serious. I'll get down on my knees and pray, God, send these young ladies some men. At the same time, some of you guys around here, I'm sending, I'm praying for the Lord to send you some young women, young ladies that aren't worldly, that aren't tainted by this world. I'm praying for you as I'm praying for you, Clay, that the Lord would. That's what I'm after. Load those wagons up, Lord. Bring them in the direction that you want to bring them in. There's others of you that you're about to come into the place where you're going to graduate from high school. I'm praying for a purpose of God to be on your heart and on your life. But you've got to trust in God. And so Lockyer says it like this. Give God time. Even when the knife flashes in the air, you're going to see the ram in the bushes. Give God time. Even when Pharaoh's armies are on Israel's hills, a path of water is going to be suddenly opened up. 
Give God time even when the bed of the brook is dry. Because Elijah will hear a guiding voice. And I just say here tonight, don't look around at the famine. Don't look around at the heat. Don't look at how dark this world is getting. Don't look at the gender confusion. Don't look at don't look at them tearing down American flags. Can y'all believe that? Hamas, New York City, climbing up on that light pole, ripping down American flags, ripping down Israeli flags. I'm going to tell you, our nation is headed for trouble. But at the same time, God's still going to have a church. And that church is going to fulfill His purpose. You say, I'm overwhelmed by sin. Don't be. That where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You say, we're not making much headway. Give it some time. Give it some time. The Lord has got a plan. There's some wagons that are out there. There's some things that God has got on our way. And so if you walk in here broken, you can walk out fixed. If you walk in here sick, you can walk out whole. If you walk out walk in here lost, you can walk out saved. I want to tell you here tonight, church, that the wagons are loaded. What I want you to do is I want you to stand. And I want as many of you that will, I want you to step out of where you're at. And I want you to crowd up here into this altar. And we're going to lift our hands to the Lord. And we're going to say, Lord, I've heard the messenger's voice. But sometimes, despite the fact that I hear that voice, that sometimes I, I can't be revived until I see those wagons. But oh, when I see those wagons, all of a sudden everything begins to fall into place knowing that God's got a plan and He's got a purpose for every single one of our lives. Lord, I pray tonight for this church. I ask you, Jesus, that somehow, that Lord, that we would be branded, oh Jesus, by your purpose by your will by your hand I pray God tonight if discouragement has got us by the throat in Jesus name I pray God right now let us cast off those things Lord that would discourage I pray Lord tonight that we would cast off the unfruitful works of darkness I pray Lord tonight help us to get in our hand that two edged sword help us God to resurrect old prayer times and old prayer places I pray God tonight you resurrect vision and anointing and power and strength in Jesus' name. Now I want you to receive that, church. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you just to begin to call 